0: When you go on holiday, there is no finer achievement than doing absolutely nothing. Nothing on the beach, nothing by the pool. Walking kind of nowhere and chatting about nothing. As an Expedia member, you can save up to 30% when you add a hotel to your flight. So you can have a bit more money to go out there with great ambition to do absolutely nothing. Expedia. Made to travel.
1: On the Der show, you've heard me attack extremists from the left like Elon O'Mara, for her Just the Benjamins baby and other anti-Semitic comments. Well, today I am going after the extreme right. What's fair is fair. My target today is Marjorie Taylor Greene, a Republican member of Congress from Georgia who doesn't believe that the attack on the Pentagon in 9-11 really occurred or that the school shootings uh, took place uh, she's a supporter of QAnon. You'll hear why I think the Republicans haven't been doing enough to marginalize her. You will also hear why I nominated Jared Kushner and Avi Berkowitz of the Trump administration for the Nobel Peace Prize for their contributions to the Abraham Accords on The Der Show. On previous editions of the Der Show, you've heard me rail against some extreme radical leftists including some in Congress like the squad, particularly Ilan Omar who has made uh, outrageously anti-semitic statements about Jews having dual loyalty to Israel and it's all about the Benjamin's baby and Israel has hypnotized the whole world. And I've criticized the Democratic Party for not marginalizing this anti-Semite in Congress, indeed giving her posh uh, committee assignments. Well, today it's the Republicans' turn, and it's the extreme right's turn to be criticized. You're always going to hear equal criticism on the Der Show. So today my target is Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. You may not have heard of her. She is been recently uh, elected to Congress from a very conservative district of Georgia, the same state that elected two liberals, uh, one of whom I was strongly opposed to, the Reverend Warnock, because he too made statements that I regarded as un-American and uh, anti-Semitic, and he refused to um, apologize for the statements he's made in the past. And so it's only fair that I now focus on uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's in Congress. She's just been appointed to the Education Committee. Education Committee. And she's a woman who denies that the shootings at the various schools that killed so many of our children were real shootings. She thinks they were false flags uh, designed to uh, promote gun control. Uh, Come on. People died. People are grieving. Families lost their children. And she's out there? suggesting that maybe it never happened. I mean, what is she, uh, a denier? I mean, this is just outrageous for her to make statements like that. And it's not the only thing she's said. Um, She, remember the the great horrible fires in California uh, that killed so many people and made other people homeless? Well, she knows. She knows where it came from. It came from, laser rays from outer space Uh, concocted by the Rothschild family. You know, the Rothschild family, the protocols of the elders of Zion. They control the world. Their hands are in everything. They started the Napoleonic Wars. They started the First World War. They started the Second World War. The Rothschild family. They are trying to destroy our country by sending laser beams to American forests to burn them up. This is a member of Congress making those kinds of statements it It doesn't stop there. Um, she uh uh doesn't think that nine eleven really happened nine eleven the planes in the pentagon. here's what uh, she says. We had witnessed 9-11, the terrorist attack in New York and the plane that crashed into Pennsylvania and the so-called plane, the so-called plane that crashed into the Pentagon. It's odd. There's never been evidence shown for a plane in the Pentagon. No evidence. The plane was there. You could see the hull of the plane. A friend of mine was on that plane. She called her husband from the plane. Their last phone call. And then the plane crashed into the Pentagon. The so-called plane that crashed into the Pentagon. It's odd. There's never been any evidence shown for a plane in the Pentagon. Talk about fake news. Talk about these made-up conspiracy theories. This is a woman who is a supporter of QAnon. Do I have that pronunciation right? QAnon. Um, QAnon is that extreme a group that is anti-Semitic, anti-Muslim, anti-everything, that believes the Democratic Party is controlled by pedophiles and uh, and, and 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 worse. Um, according to the <clears throat> uh, newspaper accounts by the Associated Press, she has expressed support for Q- QAnon conspiracy theories which focus on the debunked belief that Democrats are involved in child sex, trafficking, Satan worship, and cannibalism. Cannibalism. Yep. Yep. Facebook videos surfaced last year showing she'd expressed racist, anti-Semitic, and anti-Muslim views. Um, Let let me quote to you from uh, some Republicans and, and Democrats, you know, she's been universally condemned. Uh, some Republicans have condemned her as well. Others have not. And <clears throat> I think it's important to focus on who's condemned and who hasn't. Here's a quote. Assigning her to the Education Committee when she has mocked the killing of little children at Sandy Hook Elementary School, when she has mocked the killing of teenagers in high schools at Marjorie Stoneham Douglas High School, what could they be thinking? And what could they be thinking? Now, many of us condemn the Democrats, and rightfully so, for putting Ilhan Omar on uh, committees. And by not marginalizing her, look, you can't get her unelected. And you can't deprive her of her free speech rights. I'm not calling here for censorship. Um, Ilhan Omar has the right to express her bigotry on the floor of the the Congress. She's not the first person to do that. Um, The word kike was used on the floor of the Senate to describe survivors of the Holocaust by a senator from uh, Mississippi during the Second uh, World War. Uh, Other words have been used, uh, anti-African-American words have been used, anti-immigrant words have been used, and so, you know, the Constitution does provide that no senator or congressperson shall be questioned in any other place for comments made on the floor of the Senate. That means questioned lawfully, but on this show, on their show, we get the questioner. Constitution doesn't apply to me here. It doesn't apply to restrict me from condemning uh, both the right and the left extremists. Look, I think both parties have a problem. Generally, the Republicans have done a better job, generally, in marginalizing their extreme uh, right wing, but not in this case. In this case, they have Put her front and center on the Education uh, Committee after knowing that she made these kinds of statements. It's not too late to change that, nor is it too late for um, Congress to marginalize Elon Omar. Now, you know, <clears throat> we have um, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, has o- condemned very strongly uh, the statements made by uh, Green. Uh, I haven't heard her condemn with equal. Uh, ferociousness the statements made by Elon O'Meara. We can't have a double standard. We have to have a single standard. So I want you folks to call in. Many of my listeners are Republicans, some conservatives, some maybe even extreme conservatives. I dare you to justify, A, what Green has said, the QAnon stuff, the stuff about the false flags at the schools in which people were killed, the, the alleged plane flying into the uh, Pentagon. I challenge you, I don't think any of my listeners are going to be dumb enough to actually try to justify those kinds of absurd, hallucinatory, uh, anti-factual statements. No, the earth is not flat. yes. Yes, astronauts landed on the moon. Uh, uh, yes, the Holocaust occurred. Uh, and yes, uh, uh, and Elvis Presley is not alive and living somewhere in the outskirts of Las Vegas. No, uh, there are facts. Everybody's entitled to their opinion, but nobody's entitled to their own facts. The shootings at these schools occurred. The plane crashed into the Pentagon. The Democratic Party is not controlled by cannibals and and pedophiles. There are facts, and if any of you want to defend those facts, you got a chance on this show because we don't censor. Um, I don't want to stop Green from expressing her bigoted views. I don't want to stop Elon Omar from expressing her bigoted views. I just don't want to see the two great parties in America, uh, the Party of Lincoln and the Party of Jefferson, uh, bring to the center and support. Uh, People who express views like this, they have a right of free speech. They have no right to serve on committees of Congress unless they earn that right. And the idea of a woman serving on the education committee who has made the most outrageous statements about the shootings at these schools, shootings that took so many lives, That's just not justifiable. So I want to hear your points of view on that, particularly from conservatives, from people who may support uh, Green and are happy she's in Congress the way some Republicans are, other Republicans are not. I suspect there aren't too many Republicans who are actually happy that she's in Congress, just like I don't think there are that many Democrats who are happy that Ilhan O'Mara, the Benjamin's baby woman, uh, is in Congress, but they are terrified to uh, uh, attack them because it will affect their base, because the base of both parties includes extremists. The base of the Democratic Party includes extremist, hard-left, anti-Semitic, anti-Israel people, and the center doesn't want to alienate them. The extreme right includes white nationalists, neo-Nazis, and others. And even though President Trump did go out of his way in Charlottesville to say that his fine people on all sides statement didn't apply to the neo-Nazis, And to the white nationalists, there are some within the Republican Party who do not want to alienate their base by attacking the extremists. Well, all Americans have to join together, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, whether you're a liberal or conservative, whether you're a centrist or somebody who is further to the left or right than the center, you have an obligation, particularly if you're on the right you have an obligation to condemn Green and others on the hard right that do not speak for you. And if you're a Democrat and on the left, you have a special obligation to condemn Ilhan Omer and other members of the squad, Uh, AOC, refused to attend an event honoring the memory of Yitzhak Rabin, the man who gave his life to make peace. That's too much for AOC, a congressperson from New York, and she won't commemorate Yitzhak Rabin, as a street named after him uh, in, in New York and who was one of the greatest Israelis and greatest makers of peace ever to, ever to exist. Speaking of peacemakers, I did something very controversial yesterday, and I'm getting a lot of pushback today. I nominated Jared Kushner for the Nobel Peace Prize. Yes, Jared Kushner, along with Avi Berkowitz, who is his deputy along with David Friedman, the U.S. ambassador to Israel, and Ron Dormer, the Israeli ambassador to the United States. I wrote a letter to the Nobel Prize Committee saying, look, you have a peace prize. The peace prize is supposed to be given for the event that most promoted peace, most ended belligerency, most established contact between countries, uh, and brought them about in a peaceful way. And I said there was no event this year that fit those criteria better than the Abraham Accords. The Abraham Accords, which resulted in normalization between Israel, the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Sudan, and uh, now emerging um, uh, Morocco. Soon, it may extend to Saudi Arabia. Um, That hasn't happened yet, but we'll see if it does. It may extend to other countries in the Middle East, particularly as Iran is flexing its nuclear muscles and moving closer to having a nuclear arsenal, something Israel will never allow it to do. So the Abraham Accords certainly deserves the Nobel Peace Prize, a lot more than Barack Obama deserved it. He got nominated after being in office 10 days. Nominations have to come in by January 31st. Um, I sent my nomination uh, in yesterday, January 31st. Barack Obama's was sent in January 31st. The year after he was sworn in, On January 20th, so in 11 days, he earned the Nobel Peace Prize uh, for doing nothing. He won the prize because he wasn't Bush. Um, Maybe Biden will win the prize because he isn't Trump. That's not the criteria for the Nobel Peace Prize. The will of Alfred Nobel sets out the criteria, and the Abraham Accords surely deserve it. So who deserves it among the many who are responsible for the Abraham Accords? In my letter, I said, look, I don't have to tell you about... Netanyahu and Trump and the emirs and the king, you all know about that. That's been in all the newspapers, and if you think they deserve the Nobel Prize, that's fine. But I want to mention four names that are not in the newspapers, four names of the people without whom the accords never would have happened. Jared Kushner, Avi Berkowitz, traveled from country to country, having no sleep, running around, getting every last bit of the normalization agreed to, tying down loose edges— making deals, making arrangements, and ultimately culminating in the White House event that I was honored to be at, where the accords were uh, signed and where uh, the announcement was made that finally after 100 years of belligerency and 70 years of uh, uh, abnormal non-relations, uh, these countries were involved in an ongoing peace process with Israel. I think it will also, in the end, help the Palestinian cause and put pressure both on the Palestinians and the Israelis to make the kind of painful compromises that are required to make peace. Israel should never sacrifice its security, but it can certainly do more than it's doing to extend the olive branch of peace, particularly with regard to the West Bank uh, settlements. Uh, I'm a big supporter of the two-state solution. I know many on the right are opposed to that. Hey. That's my view, and I think this will help it. I do think giving the Nobel Peace Prize to the people who arranged the Abraham Accords would do two things. First, it would solidify the Accords. It would make it impossible for those within the Biden administration who may oppose the Accords or question them or have doubts about them. It would make it harder for them to pull back from those Accords. By the way, I don't think the Biden administration is going to pull back from those Accords. I think that uh, they're moving in exactly... Uh, The right direction, and I think the Biden administration will further those accords. But you should read my emails this morning. I've been called a Nazi for supporting uh, Kushner and Berkowitz and the others for the awards. I've been told that my 15 minutes is up, I should just disappear, um, you know, over and over and over again. Attacks on me. Why? Not a single one of the emails or messages gives a substantive reason against my nominations. None. Just name-calling. How can you do anything that supports Trump's son-in-law? How can you do anything that supports uh, Trump's son-in-law's deputy? Uh, Just total, total ad hominem nonsense that, of course, doesn't influence my decision-making at all. So I'm very proud of having nominated uh, Berkowitz and Kushner and Friedman and uh, Dormer for consideration uh, as part of the team that brought us the Abraham Accords. An amazing, amazing accomplishment uh, in the last year and one that clearly deserves recognition by the Nobel Prize uh, Committee. So those are my views today on the uh, Der show. You've heard me attack the right, attack the left, and praise those who bring about peace. Um, let's hear your views on all these and other subjects called the Der Show. And we'll turn now to our viewers and listeners and questions about some of what I've said and what they've said on past shows. So keep them coming on The Der Show. Let's turn now to our first caller.
2: This is Gregory Spung. Hi, Professor. In November, John Kerry declared the Great Reset will happen with greater speed and intensity than people imagine. This World Economic Forum Great Reset Seems like worldwide communism. How do you propose this will be implemented without abolishing the United States Constitution?
1: First of all, communism is dead. It only exists in the mind of uh, a few dozen professors at American and European universities. There's no communism left. Even China is no longer communist. It's a capitalist, aggressive, free market country country with tyrannical aspects, but it's not communist. Uh, maybe Belarus has a little bit of remnant of communism and maybe Cuba, two failed economies. Uh, but we have nothing to fear from communism in the world today. Uh, globalism is a very different issue. And clearly the Biden administration is going to be a lot more globalist than the Trump administration. And there are advantages and disadvantages. To globalism, America first doesn't always put America first in a world that is as interdependent as ours is. So let's keep an open mind, wait to see what specific aspects of globalism are adopted by the Biden administration, whether they're good and bad for the world, whether they're good or bad for the American people.
0: Hello, this is John Romano from Miami Beach, Florida. I wondered if you had an opinion about the sentence of FBI lawyer Kleinsmith this weekend of 12 months probation after lying on the application in order to get the FISA warrant to spy against uh, Donald Trump. And can we expect to have fairness since Biden has appointed people that were involved with this FISA application into his cabinet and the administration?
1: Interesting question. You probably asked it to the wrong guy. I'm a defense lawyer, so I generally support probationary sentences. I do think the FBI agent suffered a lot. He lost his job. He lost his credibility. He did the wrong thing. Clearly, he should be punished. Whether or not a year of probation is enough or 30 days in prison plus a year of probation, reasonable people could disagree with that. And we're, of course, waiting for the Durham report and other indictments to see who was involved. Uh, It was a terrible, terrible thing to have misinformation provided to the FISA court and American citizens have their privacy violated as a result of that. And the most important thing is to hold the people who did it accountable, uh, putting them in jail for long periods of time, separating them from their families. I'm generally not in favor of long prison sentences, so I was not unhappy that the FBI agent got a probationary sentence.
0: Professor Dershowitz, this is Barry in Minnetonka, Minnesota. I very much enjoy your podcast, particularly how you take the extreme left to task for its positions on the Trump impeachment, free speech, and the ACLU. And you were magnificent in defending Trump in the first Trump impeachment trial. But I do have a challenge for you. You said on Friday that the Republicans unfairly blocked the Garland nomination Mm -hmm. in 2016, Mm -hmm. going against tradition. Yet Mitch McConnell defended the Republican position in blocking Garland in in 2016 while pushing the Barrett nomination in in 2020 in this way. History shows, he said that when Supreme Court vacancies arise in presidential election years, the outcome hinges on whether the same party or different parties control the presidency and the Senate. The circumstances we faced in 2016 have only led to confirmation two times in American history and zero times since 1888. The circumstances before us today have led to confirmation every single time except one One nominee with financial scandals. So how do you respond to Senator McConnell's defense? Thanks very much.
1: Appreciate the question, but Senator McConnell confuses power with morality. Uh, Yeah, he's right if they have the power to do it, if you have the same party in power in the Senate as in the presidency, then they can ram it through. And if there's a different party, then they can block it. That's no excuse. That's no justification. That's not a single standard of uh, morality. Uh, I want to go back to the days when Herbert Hoover appointed a liberal Democrat, uh, Benjamin Cardoza, to the Supreme Court, even though all of his advisors told him not to. He said, look, This man is going to replace the great Oliver Wendell Holmes. I want the greatest single jurist in America on the Supreme Court. I don't care what his politics are. I don't care what his religion is. I don't care where he comes from. I want the very best. I hope we see a return to that someday in the not-too-distant future.
2: Professor Dershowitz, this is Rich Bardwell from Illinois. I believe you are wrong about the Senate not trying the impeachment. Article 1 Section 3, Clause 6, specifically says that the Senate shall try all impeachments. I would appreciate hearing your thoughts. Thank you, sir.
1: Well, of course the Constitution says the Senate shall try all impeachments. The question is, can you impeach somebody who is not a public official? The answer to that seems to be no. Otherwise, the Republicans can go after Hillary Clinton. Um, next time they control the House of Representatives, or maybe they can go after Barack Obama or Bill Clinton. Uh, The question is not whether the Senate gets to try impeachments. The question is whether or not you can impeach and try a former president. I think the answer to that is no. The provisions of the Constitution say that the primary purpose of impeachment is to remove a sitting official. If you remove him, you can then disqualify him, but you can't disqualify him. Without removing him And you can't remove him If he's no longer in office That's certainly the case If his term ended naturally Rather than by an abrupt resignation To avoid impeachment
2: Professor Dershowitz This is Jeff calling from Florida Martin County um, I think it would be very helpful If you could dissect Why all the cases for election fraud by the Trump administration was thrown out. The big feeling among us Trump voters is that the courts erroneously did not even hear the evidence. Is there any basis for that? If you could dissect state by state what those cases were and the reason for their dismissal, Mm -hmm. I think it would go a long way to helping Well, the anxiety we have that the election was stolen. And I can't thank you enough for putting this podcast on. I think it is absolutely great for America and great for the Constitution. Thank you again.
1: Well, thank you so much for your kind words. I'll go over two states. We don't have a chance to go over all of them. In the Texas case, Texas and a number of other states brought a very creative challenge directly to the Supreme Court, very creative, very original. That is, the state itself brought a case to the Supreme Court saying we in Texas were deprived our citizens of their rights by having false counting of votes in other states. It was very interesting, very creative. The Supreme Court turned it down not on the merits, but on standing ground, saying that Texas did not have the right to bring that lawsuit And all three justices appointed by President Trump agreed with that decision. I personally didn't agree with that decision. I thought it would have been better for the Supreme Court to have considered the case. And I don't think the standing argument was a particularly strong one. I happen to have agreed in that case with the dissenting justices. Uh, But I understand that it was a reasonable decision. Courts have the power to not decide cases when they think they'll be jumping into the political thicket. The other case was Pennsylvania, where there was a very strong constitutional argument. Namely, the courts extended the time for receiving and counting ballots beyond the days authorized by the legislature and the Constitution says state legislatures determine the uh, criteria for elections in presidential elections. The reason I think the courts didn't go more deeply into that issue is that the number of disputed votes, the number of votes counted after the legislature had set its deadline, were insufficient to make up for the margin of victory that were that was experienced by Biden over Trump. And so the issue would have been moot, and it would have been a pyrrhic victory. Do I think the courts would have been better if they had listened to the evidence, heard the facts, uh, listened, read the documents, and then made a decision on the merits? It probably would have helped unite the country a little bit more. But the judiciary just, I believe, did not want to jump into the thicket. And they were led in that direction by the Supreme Court, including the three justices appointed by President Trump.
0: Hi, Alan Dershowitz. You know, I just want to tell you I am a conservative, but I want you to know that you're probably one of the Very few liberals that I really like. You play fair, you go by the law, and you do the right thing. And can't short you on that. (laughs) Bye-bye.
1: Well, that's a good note on which to end today's show. Thank you so much. I appreciate the fact that conservatives with whom I disagree, uh, at least with many of them on A woman's right to choose, on gay rights, on reasonable gun control, on the environment, on fair taxation, on medical care for all. We have reasonable disagreements, but I appreciate the fact that many conservatives do uh, appreciate my objectivity and fairness. I wish I got the same respect from liberals with whom I agree on so many substantive issues, but who despise me because they think I switch sides Because I defended the Constitution on behalf of President Trump when he was improperly and unconstitutionally impeached. I wish for a time when liberals and conservatives could get together and decide how to argue about reasonable disagreements about some of the subjects I've talked about without being disagreeable, without letting it affect friendships, without letting it affect how you think of an individual— Um, I have many friends uh, who I disagree with, and I have many people I don't like who I agree with. Uh, There's no correlation between one's political views and one's goodness as a person. At the extremes, maybe there are. I'm not going to get into there are fine people on both sides. No, if you're a neo-Nazi, a white nationalist, an anti-Semite, anti-Israel, anti-everything decent, I, I don't think you can deep down be a good person. But When you eliminate those extremes and you separate, you know, reasonable conservatives, reasonable liberals, we have a lot in common. We love our country. We love debate. We love freedom of speech. Let's let's agree on the basic principles that have made America the greatest country in the history of the world. Uh, You'll hear more from me and uh, these issues on on the dirt show but continue to please call in i love your calls the dirt show and you're the wits that completes the dirt show wits so please more calls more comments you don't have to agree call me about what i said on today's show or past shows or anything that's on your mind looking forward to hearing you on the dirt show an important part of the dirt show is your voice your questions your comments Please call 24-7. The number is 216-710-0050. Keep your comments short and to the point. Again, the number for you to call 24-7 is 216-710-0050. Hard questions, criticisms, everything's fine. Just keep your questions short and I'll answer them all on The Dirt Show.